Welcome to episode 33 of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. You guys, if we sound a little bit different, it's because we're not sitting in my apartment right now. We are actually in Dearborn, Michigan. And let me tell you, Dunya and I are having so much fun and enjoying ourselves way too much. We thought that it was very appropriate to finally collaborate with one of our fave podcasters out there, which is Dearborn Girl. If you guys don't know, Dearborn Girl is a multimedia platform for and by Arab and or Muslim women from Dearborn, Michigan. It's housed under 4 Dearborn, which is 4D. And they founded this movement to take back the global narrative on Arabs and Muslims while also giving our community permission to be proud. And it kind of aligns to what we're doing as well. But through this space, um, you're going to see their Dearborn girls are going to tell their stories in their proudly DG discussing taboo topics and soon missing pages episodes that feature anonymous submissions from women in their community. And you guys can find them on Dearborn Girl, which is online on Instagram. Their episodes are incredible. They also do this thing where they go out into the community and talk to Dearbornites and it's nice to hear their perspective of things. I know we focus on women from all over but to focus on a community specifically and figure out their wants and their needs and their struggles to hear that even if you're not from Dearborn you can relate to that on a whole new level. I've always dreamt of being in, on a round table, sitting on a round table with empowering women. And we were sitting with Malak, Yasmin, and Rima. These three amazing women have supported us since day one. And this is exactly the type of community we want to be from, a community where we do empower one another. And we do talk about empowerment, but in a different light. We also talk about self-empowering ourselves. I think we sometimes are so, you know, we face this moment where we're like, oh, we have to empower other women. But have you ever empowered yourself? We talk about double standards. And I think that's something that we'll forever talk about. It's always going to be an open-ended discussion and the reputation of women. And I feel like that's something also that we talk about all the time because I feel like when it comes to our reputation as women, it's so fragile. We hold on to it so tightly and we're told to always take care of it. You know, when we slip out of line, just that one slightest bit right away, it's just gone. Oh, it's like gone. a big red X on that person. And Dunya, I want to thank you for sharing a story that, you know, you had gone through and something that's really tough, um, but you handled it with such grace and this is something that not only Dunya has gone through, but so many women, like people, it's trying to attack or tarnish someone's reputation. And we need to stop that. We need to like focus on ourselves and focus on our own ground without having to put other people down in order for us to, you know, elevate ourselves. I do want to thank again, the Dearborn Girls for coming on and sharing their perspective. I mean, we do have similar platforms, but we're doing it in such different ways. And I love that we can still come together, collaborate. And I mean, you said this during the episode, collaboration doesn't always have to be a like or a comment on a photo. It's genuinely wanting and supporting that person and their project and their goals. Yeah, I'm telling you guys, this is definitely an episode you don't want to miss. You have five girls who are very opinionated and are going to share their opinions and what they have gone through when it comes to, like I said, reputation and our double standards that we have to go through from society as a whole. So I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. I hope you also stick around for our unfiltered afterthoughts. We're definitely going to digest and talk about everything that, you know, we're going to discuss with Yasmin, Rima, and Malak. So I really hope you guys enjoy it and let's dive in, Zaina. Let's do it.
So we traveled all the way from Chicago to Dearborn to sit with the three ladies of Dearborn Girl. And for our listeners, we just want you guys to introduce yourselves so people can kind of get a glimpse of who you guys are and all that good stuff. So I'm Yasmin, born and raised in Dearborn. I love Dearborn. Dearborn Girl poster child. Um, so before working on Dearborn Girl, I went to the University of Michigan, Dearborn, studied public health, Middle East studies, um, love community building, but really, really my passion is storytelling. So I feel like the reason why I love Dearborn Girl and like working on this and this is like my full time gig is because of the fact that I'm able to combine the two. So hi, uh, I'm Malak Wesne. I'm a filmmaker, photographer, I do photojournalism, documentary filmmaking, mostly of people in my community. Even before Dearborn Girl, I was, you know, documenting these stories. And I thought it was just so beautiful and powerful to, especially, you know, for to tell the stories of Dearborn. And so when Dearborn Girl came along, I was like, this is perfect. Like, this is so aligned with, like, what I want to do, my purpose, my cause. Now I'm in my second year uh, of college. I don't have a major yet, but that's okay. Either way, whether I know my major or or not, I know that filmmaking and uh, storytelling is what I want to pursue, for sure. Your passion. Yeah, Shala, Shala. For sure. That's awesome. And Rima? Hi, everyone. My name is Rima Ahmad Fadlala. I am also a proud daughter of Dearborn, born and raised. I'm just super passionate about storytelling, as Yasmin said. My specific passion is with the young people in the community. I experienced a lot of, I guess, being in Dearborn and having a target on us, a lot of Islamophobia, a lot of anti-Arab sentiment. And I, I grew up feeling like I didn't have a voice. And so a lot of my purpose going into school um, and then pursuing education, I was a teacher for a few years, was about helping young people develop a voice that I didn't have. And that's the work that we're starting to do with this platform, of just kind of like empowering this voice from the inside out of our community and we're just super excited to be joined at the table with other women who are doing this work as well so thank you for having us no thank you for inviting us thank you for welcoming us into Dearborn when we were planning this trip I was telling Danielle like I love Dearborn not only for the people but like the food the culture like I feel like I'm back home but still in America it's like the best of both worlds And I like that you guys did say you guys are doing it for the youth. And I think this is why you and I, Zaina, started this, because I feel like when it comes to young girls, they need something like this where they can hear other women's stories and they can be well prepared for what might happen in their lives. So, of course, we definitely don't talk about any topics that are easy to talk about. It's more so taboo topics, a little bit deep topics. And I think we should just jump right in and talk about double standards. This is something that we asked our supporters about. And, of course, the response was crazy. Everybody has something to say about double standards. So what's like the first thing you guys think about when somebody does bring up the term double standards within actually like the Muslim, Arab, South Asian community? This is going to be a plot twist because we talk (laughs) about this a lot, but... Something I've been recently thinking about, and that's because I've transitioned from pointing blame at other people, not that there isn't plenty of blame to be pointed, but more so looking within and thinking, like, what is it that I can be doing in this space to solve some of these issues? Um, When I think of double standards, ironically, I think of the work that needs to be done within our own sisterhood spaces of us not internalizing those double standards. So yes, like we can sit and talk about men all day long. We could have a whole five million hour episode on what men could be doing to better support us. But I also want to talk about like what we could be doing to better support each other. Because interestingly enough, I don't know if you all experienced this, but I know in Dearborn, a lot of these messages come from our moms and grandmas telling us like, 
how we need to be as women and and you know like it's always looked at through the lens of how a man is going to see us but a lot of times the voices saying those things are coming from women and I think that's been an interesting realization that is such a great point Rima and I should have put the disclaimer out there because this is when we talk about double standards the last thing nowadays that I think about is attacking the men because again like you said these double standards are coming sometimes from our own mothers like you said our own grandmothers the women of our community and I feel like it always Look, the first double standard that I always think of is marriage versus education. A guy is pushed towards education. Go get your degree. Go become a doctor. He, he's going to be like the gem of our family, the treasure of our family. But when it comes to women, it's like education can wait. Marriage has to come first. There's a certain time limit, all that. So how do you guys feel about that when it comes to marriage? Is that something that you see happening a lot in Dearborn? Because I know within our community, even Palestinians, because you guys are Lebanese, within our Palestinian community, I feel like that still happens to this day. I'm still being like asked about marriage every single time I see a family member, you know what I mean, that I haven't seen in a while. That's the first thing they ask me about. So I think that translates into like internal work that we need to like keep doing on a daily basis where we look at men and we look at women but we applaud men way more than we applaud the women that are doing the same exact things so with that being said I'm so sick of talking about gender roles because I feel like we're all on the same page we all could sit around and be like yeah like these are the reasons why we feel this way but if we're not doing that one that internal work we're not going to be getting anywhere and then two holding men accountable too because like when we're not holding people accountable, like whether it's men, whether it's our grandmothers, our mothers, it's we're not getting anywhere because we can have this echo chamber conversation all day, but it's not productive. So I've literally stopped thinking about gender roles, which is so ironic considering the space we've created because I feel like one, we have bigger issues and two, like the issue can be solved with like our season two theme is never sleep on a dearborn girl. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's one of the ways we solve that. Yeah, let's elaborate on that. What do you mean by never sleep on a Dearborn so, girl? When we say never sleep on a Dearborn girl, it's looking internally at yourself and thinking, I'm capable of all of these things that I have been told either one, I'm not, I shouldn't be capable of by society, by my community, by whoever is around me. And just taking that and just running with it. Because it's like, I think like for me, the theme always means I look around at this community and I'm like, wow. And I look around like not even Dearborn girls, like you guys too, Arab Muslim women in this country, people that have my identity markers. And I'm just so blown away every time I hear a story of a a Muslim Arab woman or honestly a woman in general doing amazing things. I'm just inspired because like you want to see yourself in that person, too, and you want to be inspired and you want to feel like you have this connection to that person. Exactly. Because I feel like we allow these double standards to put a limitations on our own accomplishments and achievements that we can do. Because I know we're each capable of so much, but we do internalize these um, double standards and they do stop us and they make us think like, wait, maybe I should have a family first. Maybe I need to wait to go to school and let me make my family proud and let me make them happy. But it's like you will never be happy doing what others want you to do, especially when it comes to double standards that don't make sense. They don't. Mm-hmm. Double standards. I want to put this out there. Double standards do not align with our religion whatsoever they align with our subculture and when I say subculture and I've explained this before with you Zaina our culture is beautiful it's rich from the Lebanese culture Palestinian culture to all cultures around the world when it comes to our traditions the food that we eat the way we dress and all that good stuff but I feel like there's another subset to our culture and it's these mothers grandmothers men sometimes too who tell us what we should do how how 
we can be better Muslims and the way we dress and how we act and all that stuff. It's like, but that's none of that stuff is in the Quran. Actually, it's all like made up because I mean, it's kind of like going back to what you were saying, Yasmin, like tell me I can't do something and I'm going to prove to you that I can't. And it's kind of like, I think we're using that fuel to push us even further. I mean, as Muslim, like I'm a, I'm in media, I work in journalism and I didn't see women that look like me, spoke like me, had the same name as me on TV or working even behind the scenes. But I kind of use that idea of like, I don't see this. And I had professors telling me, hey, maybe drop your middle name. Maybe, you know, don't post free Palestine on your Twitter page, all that stuff. And I kind of use that as like motivation. Like, no, like I'm not going to have my kids grow up in a society where they have to hide their identities and hide who they really are. And even as like just as a female, as a Palestinian, as a Muslim, as an Arab in America, like I'm working right now to better the life of my children, inshallah. Inshallah. Right. And. And when, like, going back to what you were saying, like, if you know your, if you know your worth, if you're empowered, which is why we have Dearborn Girl to enable or to encourage um, women to, you know, self-empower and and, and to know their worth. Because if you know your worth, then you know that nobody's going to put you in those gender roles. And if nobody else can do that, like, if you can't do that to yourself, then nobody else is going to do it for you or do it to you. So one question that I actually have for the table, and I, I haven't told Yasmin and Malak this. I usually tell Yasmin and Malak everything, so they get really excited when I oh, finally Sam. have an original thought. <laughs> what is it about to this be? This happened very recently, and it goes back to your question, Dunya, about like how, you know, does that happen to us with marriage? And is there this like invisible cloud over our heads about like, okay, clock is ticking, get married. I'm 27 and I'm amazing. I'm doing amazing things. I am finally at a point where I'm loving like all parts of who I am, even the parts I'm trying to improve or get rid of. And the more amazing you start to see yourself as, the higher the bar is for the person that you're going to choose as the partner for your life and like the person who's going to eventually be raising your children, right? And so my standards are super high. And the reason I say all of this is because everyone else's standards for me are not as high. And I've found this like this dissonance between who I see myself being with and then the people in my life who also think I'm amazing still like throwing these men at me that they don't even know anything about. So like the quick story that I'll say here is that like anytime I post a guy on my Instagram or a picture with him or whatever, you guys, they won't know anything about him. All they'll know is that he's an Arab Muslim guy. And that is enough for them to be like, who is this? You should be with him. And it's like, do you not have like, and maybe this is me taking it personally, but it's like, don't you want to know a little bit more about this guy before you're trying to throw me at him? And I'm wondering if other people experience that and how you feel. I think that comes from a place of them just wanting to see you happy. And it's such an interesting thing because by doing that, it's literally a contradiction of what would make you happy. And so I always look at it from a place of like, okay, like they're just trying to do what's best for you, but they also really don't know what's best for you. And so we always talk about, we have this conversation all the time about like when we're thinking about people that really know us or the people that I would be open to someone introducing me to if someone really, really knows me, but not just someone where they just like a family member that's like, oh, I just really wish Yasmin would get married, yeah. <laughs> which it's it's nice. But at the same time, no. Girl, Rima, you just opened a can of worms. Seriously, yeah, and Yasmin, I, like I agree with you because I could while. talk about this, like you said, for five million hours because it comes. I was scared to turn 30, like literally deathly afraid of turning 30 because I felt like 
that would be the marker of where I felt like I'm a failure. I don't have a family. I'm not married or anything. This is what my society, my community is telling me that you have failed at life because it's not our generation. I think our generation is completely different. Our mindset, alhamdulillah, has changed. So again, inshallah, we continue this uh, mindset for the future generations to come. But we still, and inshallah, look, knock on wood, we have our parents who are alive, our grandparents who are still alive and everything like that, who are still telling us like, but you're not married. You can become a doctor. You can freaking go all the way to the Mars on a rocket and you're still not married. So it's not valid what you're doing. And I feel like whatever I do will never be validated until I'm married. Wherever I want to go, I'm not able to go freely until I'm married. And we still feel that way. I mean, yeah. Do you feel like people think that your happiness is based on the fact that you're married? And so maybe even sitting down and having that discussion with XY family member and just saying like, hey, listen, like I'm very happy and comfortable with what I'm doing right now. And maybe holding them a little bit accountable with this conversation, as difficult as that would be, but just saying, because I feel like people are just acting out of a place of like, I just want you to be happy. I don't think it's about happiness. I don't think they're, I mean, of course, it's our not, loved ones no. want us to be happy, but it's also they worry about us. They don't want us to be old and like alone. And this is what I'm thinking. Also, society, they don't want, you know, you're bent, you know, bent whatever is not married yet. Like people talk like that. And especially in our culture, in our society, they do talk like that. Like so-and-so's daughter isn't married yet. And it's just like hecky. You know what I mean? They don't want to be the center of that hecky. So I think it's really about pride and it's about, you know, representing your family name. They just want their daughters to be secured but why can't we be secured with our education and our knowledge alone and the will the will that we have to be able to like be as independent as we are because I can take care of myself so anytime I whoever I marry is going to be just an added benefit to my life but this person is not going to be the one that pushed me to get the education that I wanted to get which I already have I already pushed myself so if you can't wait for this Prince Charming to come around and push you to do, do these things. But I think at the same time, our parents came from a completely different generation, different time. You know what I mean? They were the ones, they were the homemakers. They relied on their husbands to go and get, you know, work and everything like that and get their job done and bring money and food to the family at home. We're a whole different generation. We kind of relied on ourselves and we're basically the ones who are independent and taking care of ourselves. But I do see our generation is kind of switching things up. I mean, a lot of us aren't getting married at 17, 18 years old. I mean, of course, there are the women who, who choose to do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I do feel like a lot of us are going to school. We are working. We are getting our education. And then we have our—I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I got married at 23. You know what I mean? I'm, I've been married for three and a half years, and I was still able to finish school, start my career, and then have this side project. So I feel like, yes, I mean, I just want to make this very clear. Marriage isn't like a bad thing. No, absolutely But I feel not. like it has to come one at the right time. It can't be forced upon someone, you know. I don't want anyone to think like, okay, I'm 21. I have to be married by this age. I have to have kids by that age. I've been married for three and a half years. And like the thought of kids isn't even on the table right now because I do want to focus on this. You know, I want to focus on my work. There's this really interesting phenomena that I'm noticing. I'm sure based on how you're talking your community and the women that you're interacting with have this too. But Dunya, you talked a little bit about how we're not our parents' generation. We're different. We're, you know, like we have the time and resources to think about having this education and this career and just being like the epitome of a self-empowered woman. And I think a lot of us really embody that. But I think our the messages from our parents' generation are still trapped inside of our heads. And so on one hand, we exude this confidence of being this woman who has these goals and is not going to let anyone define her or like isn't going to wait for Prince Charming. But like some of us in our heads 
if we're really honest, when we go to sleep at night, we're waiting for our Prince Charming and we know that we shouldn't be. And I've seen so many women who are like, when I tell you the most empowered woman in Dearborn, you guys can think of the kind of the brand of Dearborn girl I'm talking about, who when she's talking to her girlfriends and being real and vulnerable, she's talking about why can't I find a man? And those messages are still like plaguing us. And so like we know better, but we don't feel better. And I don't know like what to say about that. It's kind of like split identity. Like it's like two different identities pulling at us. Like we want to be these independent, you know, these women who are doing it all, but we also want the house and the kids and the family. But let's be honest, I've had once a conversation with my girlfriends and I'm like, let's try to have a conversation without including the topic of guys. Let's just try to do it. We could not survive for five minutes, you guys. Five minutes. We could not somehow it ended up going back to marriage and getting married and talking about when are we going to meet this person that we're going to spend the rest of our life with and look who just got engaged and this and that. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, it was like we're never going to escape this because it's kind of built into our mindset. Just like you said, no matter what, we cannot escape this because I don't know about you guys. I live at home, so I'm going back to my house where we do discuss this. Like, Donia, when are you deciding to get married? When is it the right time? You know what I mean? Like, and I went through a divorce and I feel like I don't want people to think that that's stopping me from getting married because trust me that that's definitely not but I feel like my parents think that maybe I'm very closed off from the idea of marriage because of what I went through but again I think Naseeb is Naseeb at the end of the day I feel like we can talk about marriage all day long but there's also another thing that I feel like a lot of people deal with this when you have guys online and I, like I said we don't want to blame guys but you do have these guys online who feel like they're police like where we feel like they're policing us I will see a guy that's literally half naked in his default pick, and he will literally come on our pictures and say, where's your hijab? And I've dealt with that, and we've always dealt with that. Oh and I'm pretty sure you guys, yes, you guys, I look, it's so funny seeing your faces right now, but it's like, I was about to say, but where's your shirt? Where's your modesty? Because a guy should also exude modesty as well. What do you think, Malak? Yeah, so right before, uh, so I wear the hijab, and so... Me and Yasmin were talking about this uh, because our most recent podcast episode was about uh, Salwa Hamoud. She, um, her, about like like the last ten minutes into the podcast, she talks about like part of her life that was like pretty influential. Where um, she took off her hijab, and Yasmin and I were just talking about how hijab doesn't like the term. Like if you want to translate it, doesn't literally mean what most people think it means. It doesn't mean the like headscarf that you wrap around your head. And so I was, uh, we were talking about like certain men in our lives and we're like, they literally wear hijab because the the way they carry themselves, whether it be physically or mentally, their akhlaq, certain things like that. And so sometimes even we're approached like, oh, are, are you guys Muslim? And we're just like, yeah. And then they ask like, oh, why I wear this and why they don't. And it's just, it's just so uncomfortable because it's like it doesn't make anybody like any less muslim and there's just so many top like things that is an interesting it, question know? though what do you guys say when somebody says that because i need some pointers because sometimes that does happen to us like how should we so the first time we ever interacted with a reporter the first question she asked us it wasn't on air and this was a fox news detroit wanted to do a segment on us before we even launched a single episode and so the reporter walks in and she looks at all three of us and Looks says, why does she wear that and you two don't? And so we both looked at Malak and we're like, you know what? We're going to let you answer this question. Yeah. But I think it's a question we get a lot because people don't know with outside of the community. Right. Inside of the community is a completely different conversation. But I think outside of the community, white people will ask us this question because they really just don't know. Or they're trying to 
inflame their ignorance i don't know it could be either <laughs> or they could truly be interested in knowing because i think it is something interesting if you because I, I feel like we're in the news a lot sometimes for now for the greatest reasons because of course the new the media likes to depict us in a certain light but i think they sometimes they generally want to know and others are like yeah they are a little bit ignorant but i think when it comes to the hijab the way i translate it i feel like at the end of the day we are supposed to wear it but it's also there's this contingency where it's like you wear it when you want to so it's really hard to navigate that because I feel like I'm in a point in a road like where I, I just don't know like I feel like I'm at a certain age I should be wearing it but I'm still not 100% there so what do I do and I feel like there's other ways that I compensate for the hijab and I like that you said Malak the hijab doesn't technically mean the scarf that you have on your head hijab translates into the, into the word veil so veil can mean anything you can veil yourself in any any way you want sometimes you can even veil the things that come out of your mouth and you can be a well-spoken Muslim that's really kind to other people and show good character that's also a veil. Yeah, it's not just a physical thing. But I did want to ask you, why do you feel pressured? Do you, do you feel like you feel pressure? Well, I don't want to put words into your mouth. So why do you feel pressured? I It's not more so pressured. I, no, you know what? It is pressured. I feel like because Zain and I, you know, we're trying to showcase the stories of Muslim women. And we don't always want to just to be Muslim women. We're open to any other woman. But I feel like because we claim we're Muslim, because sometimes on my personal page, I write about like certain things that relate to our religion when it comes to poetry. And I know, Rima, you and I related on that. People ask me, that's like, you can talk about our religion all day long, but you don't physically look Muslim. And I, it bothers me because I'm like, just because I'm not wearing the scarf, I am not any less Muslim than the next girl walking on the street with her hijab on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm really like tired of this topic and I'm not saying Same. that I'm not saying that like cuz I don't want to talk about it. I'm saying it because people aren't listening. It is a fact that it's haram to judge people. So I don't understand how people don't check themselves in those conversations. And if they believe that, go ahead and do that. Like if they believe that in order to be permissible to God, they need to put the hijab on, wallah go do it. And I think like the only issue that that I'm okay spending time talking about and not rolling my eyes about is that we as Muslims are made to feel and we are the only religion right now that are made to feel this way that the only story like if, if, if one of us gets on the mic and claims Islam then we are speaking for the rest of the community Jews don't feel that way Christians definitely don't feel that way and it's it's it, we feel like we are be becoming tokenized because of what you said not only is there so little media representation but the media represent representation that's out there is either inaccurate or inaccurate and negative negative and so we feel as though when we're speaking into the mic we need to be extra extra careful and I, that's fine but like no one can tell me that I'm not Muslim and like whatever that means to me is between me and God and I've gotten over that because I like I was also in a place where I had imposter syndrome of like should I really be the one starting this podcast and calling it a Arab Muslim space like I'm not the, I'm not a perfect Muslim bro find me a perfect Muslim a, a yeah. person that's wearing the hijab is still not a perfect Muslim. You can agree to, th agree to that and attest to that, Malik. I think we're all struggling in our own way. And we just had an episode with Alia and we talked about that. Just because she's wearing the scarf doesn't make her better than a woman that's not wearing the scarf at all. But I feel like when it comes to these large Muslim conventions or these, you know, any Muslim events, when they ask women to speak, it's nine out of ten times, it's always a hijabi. It always is. And I feel like when are we ever going to invite a non-hijabi to come up on stage and speak? Because I think we're also very well qualified to talk about our religion just because I'm not wearing the scarf does not mean and it does not equate to me not understanding my religion because I wholeheartedly understand it but at the same time I'm still struggling because I'm a, I'm a human first before I'm a Muslim and 
there's going to be struggles that I'm going to go through. And one of them is the hijab. And it's not something that I'm against, but it's something that I'm getting to, inshallah, soon. Which is why it's so dangerous to tokenize anybody. You know, like, I'm personally, I'm very willing if somebody comes up to me on the street, they look curious. They're not like, their question isn't implying anything. Maybe they're just ignorant about the topic. And so they ask me a question about my hijab, about my religion, whatever. And... personally me I would be totally fine having that discussion but some people like what if what if they don't know like Salwa in our last episode was saying like you know her teacher called her out for something and asked her about a specific term in Arabic like what if I don't know the answer to what you're saying you know and so any hijabi can go up on a stage and like talk about like the religion like at an event but that doesn't mean that it's credible that doesn't mean it's representative of everybody because clearly do you feel represented like by everything every hijabi says not always and vice versa vice versa like you guys might not feel the same way about us and our struggles because our struggles are going to be a little bit different again because it always comes down to the physicality of who we are sometimes you know and we talk a lot about being the token Muslim and how we, it's such a pressure on us to be these perfect people. But I think if we focus on being perfect, we're not going to be authentic. I mean, how boring would this podcast be if we sat here and tried our best to be these perfect people? We're not. We, we make mistakes. We have faults. But the fact that we constantly have to watch our back and constantly have to watch what we say and how we dress and what we do because we're afraid of our own community and we're afraid of how other people are going to take us i feel like it's slowly taking away who we are absolutely i agree the only thing i'll say here because i'm i'm just like reflecting on this conversation is since all of us except for malak on this table are non-hijabi women we aren't qualified as well to talk about the scrutiny the unique scrutiny that they do deal with and i think the example that i'll give that's unrelated because i think sometimes it's helpful to give examples that people aren't emotionally attached to so within the black community there's a lot of conversation around being black walking into a space and feeling as though anything you say is tokenized as well and there's this added pressure for a black american in academic spaces in professional spaces to represent well whatever that even means for their community and it's like this very unfair pressure i think the struggle that hijabi muslim have that we don't have and unless people just happen to know that we're muslim is that when they are in a space they are automatically looked at as the token representative of the entire group of people that is oftentimes misrepresented so like with the with the point about like nine times out of ten they're not they're they're hijabi women that's very interesting because like i think i'm so bent up on like I don't ever mind that it's that it's always hijabi because I don't think we can ever give enough space to that physical identity because it's so blatant. And we actually have a lot like we have a lot of hijabi women on our show for that because they're the ones that we have are just amazing. But also because like, yeah, like there's not enough space for women who wear the hijab. But I don't think it's fair to your point that we aren't as well looked at as credible people who can talk about islam and its relationship to us because it is a very personal thing and that's what i was saying that's a great point Dima. like i never want that mic to be taken away from hijabis and given to us there's enough space especially at these conventions to have more than one woman right. speak upon our religion and it doesn't always I, i'm just saying like i would like to be represented too on that stage sometimes i would like to see a woman because i know there's a lot of women that are not hijabi that are so well versed in our religion mashallah but i feel like we still look at those women that mm, they're still missing that big piece mm. which is the hijab i don't know if any 
anybody's going to take her seriously when she goes on stage. And this doesn't go for all conventions. I'm talking about just one specific one that I've yet to see a non-hijabi go up on stage and discuss our religion or our faith or anything like that. But at the same time, yeah, we still need these women with the hijab speaking in these mics and saying their stories and stuff like that because there's not enough of that, of course. Absolutely not. And it's interesting you say that because I don't know if anybody watches the show 90 Day Fiance, but you guys, I love that show. And there's like (laughs) a Muslim girl on there. She's a convert and she's wearing the hijab. And I know she was kind of getting in an argument with another one of the guests on the show or whatnot. And the white lady right away, she said, you're Muslim. You should be acting better than that. And that's exactly what you just said, Adima. It's like, why do we why are we doing this to our hijabis, putting them on such a high pedestal, making sure that they cannot step out of line at all? Are they not allowed to get angry? Are they not allowed to fight back ever? Are they supposed to be submissive and silent? And no, that's not right at all. Yasmin, did you have something to say about that? There's that, but I also just feel like there's privilege. Like there's a lot of privilege walking around not being a visibly Muslim woman. So I think like to not talk about that point is like, kind of discrediting the identity marker heavily but also at the same time being holding other people accountable that look at our identities and even as far as feeling represented by somebody else I don't feel like you'll ever feel represented by someone that's not yourself Mm -hmm. because even like think about it like if you look at a politician that you really want to vote for if you align with every single one of her or his policies like that's wrong because like that person doesn't walk through the world the same way you do so even as far as people that have the same identity markers, like Rima and I are literally from the two same villages in Lebanon. That's awesome. <laughs> but like, I say that to say our identities are still so yes. different. I think that same yeah. for me and oh my Zaina. God, same thing. We're from the same village as well. And same, I mean, we both live in Chicago, but we are complete opposite. We have our different values yeah. and different things that we yeah. agree and disagree on. Yeah, we should look at these issues as human issues rather than labeled issues because like it doesn't mean that you're not going to find you can't look at obviously all Muslims think the same way, all this think the same way. It goes down to their individual daily life and the way they walk through their daily lives. I Sorry. agree. I think we want to move on to the reputation of women in this our community. This kind of goes back to double standards because I mean, I feel like guys don't necessarily have to watch out for their reputations as much as females do. Like I feel like women, we have to be extra careful. We have to watch the way we walk and talk yeah. and, and the way we represent ourselves in our community because our reputation is like our price tag, basically. I feel, and this is not to speak for our entire community, but sometimes I feel like a woman is easily canceled within our community if she steps out of line just in the slightest way. And I think when it comes to our reputations as women, it's also very, very fragile. Like we're holding it so tightly and making sure we take care of it all of our lives, but it takes one person to say one thing about us and it's gone, done, that's it. So we, Yasmin and I, on one of our host episodes where we were talking, we defined this thing that we call the Dearborn Database. And it's this fake thing that we all, you know how you said earlier, Dunya, that like, all you talk about is like, oh, did this person get engaged? It's like literally this ongoing database where if you click on someone's name, like in your head, even Mm -hmm. if you've never met them, there's just this whole scroll down thing of like, who did they date? When did they date? When did they break up? What happened in that relationship? Did she do this? Did he do this? And it's like, you can literally meet someone in Dearborn who's who's part of our community and have this whole database about them. And not even, it's like Wikipedia. Like, you don't even know if it's true. And that could prevent you from, like, dating them or wanting to talk to them. And so there's that issue. As women, to your point, we experience it a lot worse. And one of the poems that I wrote before starting this podcast that informed this podcast, it says... 
as Arab Muslim women, we all have, we're all open books with missing pages. So women like us who get up and talk all the time, we are open books. We claim to be open books, but we have pages that we've ripped out, thrown away, tucked under our covers, whatever. And we can never publicly talk about them because our stories are not technically ours to tell. And that's something that Selwa talked a lot about in our last episode about like, she can't tell her stories all publicly and I'm sure each of us at this table have things that we cannot talk about right now and it's because of your exact point of like us getting canceled the second we tell that secret that we're dying to tell that we can never tell and it does also go back to like being desirable so this whole conversation yes, is like goes back to marriage circle. yeah it does it does come back to I think that's the root of it because I feel like reputation is so important why we uphold it is because of the end goal and i'm putting this in, in quotation marks is marriage and i feel like if somebody finds out something about a girl that's it she's done she's canceled you don't want her she's too kawiya um she got divorced once twice do you really want to be her third divorce like you know what i mean yeah. it's just so much but at the same time like guys are doing the same thing as we are doing but they're still held to a higher standard it's always as if like they can easily reset and clean their slate over and over and over again when they want to us women i'm telling you like just you step out in the slightest bit and call us she's done with you know what i mean and that also comes to this is kind of off topic but not really but when a woman marries outside of her culture outside of her race like there's a lot of women who are trying or like i see that are marrying white men that are converting or somebody like completely who she might be palestinian he might be pakistani or whatnot and she's looked down upon and she has to go through so much to marry this guy. But then when it comes to out of guys, they kind of don't have to go through that. I'm not speaking for all, but I feel like some of them may, might not have that much, like, you know, push pushback from their parents or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we, we definitely see that in Dearborn, too, for sure. And even someone that wants to date someone black like that. That's definitely something that happens where you see a lot of racism with that, too. I agree with you. I have a story that's like, it's I don't know like to me it looks people are telling me that I should have been a little bit angrier but there's this guy I'll leave him unnamed but a couple of people told me like he's going out in like public gatherings and he's showing people your picture alongside a picture of your mom I'm like how did he get the picture of my mom and then I realized Facebook yeah you guys like it's gonna <laughs> get weirder this story I almost like screamed just listen to it because yeah it's a, it's a crazy story I mean it's it's I don't know I guess it's not that crazy to me because I feel like these guys can easily get away with it but here he is at public gatherings showing my picture showing pictures of my family out into the public wherever whoever he's sitting with and he's like oh me and Dunia we've been dating for 10 months and inshallah this October by the way October passed you guys and I'm not engaged but he said that in October I'm actually coming and asking her for her hand he's like I already talked to her mom we're all good everything's good it's it's all set Here's to go do you know this you man I don't know. So I searched him on Facebook. I guess my stuff, you guys, is on public. And I, I I hate that, but there's a lot of things that I share when it comes to campaigns and stuff like that that I want my page to be on public so people can see it and everything. Especially when it comes to Facebook, that's all I do is just share campaigns. I'm not a Facebook person. So I went on my Facebook and I seen that he was on my Facebook and that's all it was. And I looked at messages between us because I'm like, was I ever under the influence? Like, seriously, stop it a lot. And I was messaging this guy. I don't know, even know him. No, it was just stupid messages from him saying like Eid Mubarak, happy holidays or stupid and stuff like that. Unresponded. All unresponded. So here he is at public gatherings showing my picture and people were asking certain people that know me like, did you know your friend Dunya is getting engaged? I, I don't know. I felt very numb at that point because I'm like, here's my reputation. Here's this guy openly saying that he's been dating me for 10 months. Here he is saying that we're getting engaged and all that good stuff. Imagine if I had one of my guy cousins sitting at that table. Imagine if I, let's just say I was even really about to get engaged to somebody and my future mother-in-law was sitting at that table. Oh, wow. And she's hearing this guy claiming me. 
Do you know what I mean? It was my word against his word. And I feel like a lot of girls go through that. And I'm, and I'm so lucky that I had people that were sitting in that moment that knew me and that came and told me. But imagine me not knowing at all. And here I am, supposedly, I'm dating this guy for 10 months and we're about to get married. So what happened? Did you message him? Like- um, we just, like, I reached out to his family and we took care of it. Because I think as a woman, like, I'm not just going to sit there and have my name come out of this guy's mouth that I've never met him. And to me, I don't know what to make of it. You have to be extremely delusional, like extremely like narcissistic psychotic I don't know what it is to sit there and tell family and friends that you're marrying a girl that you've never met or even spoken to and I that it comes back to just a a woman's reputation right away this guy can publicly announce he's dating a woman but imagine me showing a picture of a guy to a public gathering saying oh I'm dating him we might be getting engaged that would never fly it wouldn't happen and that's why I'm so happy that you were vocal and you kind of put your foot down like hey this is happening it needs to stop because like you were saying someone could have been sitting on that table and overheard it and then went and told everyone else and there goes Dunya's reputation do you know what's so funny about your example flipping it right now tell me girl if you showed a picture of a guy and his mom or a guy and his dad or whatever your reputation would get ruined. Oh my God, yeah. Plot you twist. would be the crazy girl that yes. thinks you have a whole husband and that you don't. <laughs> People and would, nobody yes. would even, like, no one would even, like, they'd ask him and then as soon as, so like when you, like, we're saying it's your word against his, like our word, we need like, it's like our word is like. Look, yeah, imagine me saying that about a guy and it's like, oh my, first of all, they would, of the me, they would have told the whole community, like, this girl is psycho, like, take care of your daughter, like, the beha, like, there's something wrong with her. But not one person at that table even told him, like, hey, dude, like, put that stuff away. Like, you, you're not even engaged yet. You didn't even utlub her. Why are you showing her picture? Like, not one person said that because a guy can easily and feel, he can feel comfortable about saying stuff like that. We've and, allowed him to yeah, feel comfortable. And no one questioned him, right? No. No one questioned him. But, I, like, if it was flipped, they would have been like, okay, like, for how long? Like, show me receipts. Show me evidence that you guys are together. But, like, guys can go ahead and say all this stuff and then get away with it in the end. It's funny because ever since, I think, like, middle school, like, I've grown up with the idea of my reputation being the most important mm-hmm. thing ever. And that's so problematic. It's so problematic, Yasmin, 100%. Because, like, why? Why is this thing going to be the thing that defines me when it, you're, what you're saying is, like, it's somebody else's word against mine? It's like, it goes back to those things I always see online. It's your reputation versus your character. Your reputation is kind of built upon what society thinks of you. And these people don't truly know you. Just like you said, Yasmin, there's people that you know everything about and you've never sorry I meant Rima you actually said that there's there's people that you know but you don't really know and it's because our society is always talking 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 and that's that's just the way it is I don't think there's anything wrong about caring about reputation I just think we disproportionately care as women and men disproportionately don't care and that's the problem for me I'm because I'm also thinking about very interesting because your story sparked a story in my head of a guy that I was talking to for a short period of time and that person was afraid to tell me that he'd been divorced and I thought that was very humbling and very interesting because of the Dearborn database and I ended up finding out without him telling me but and so I confronted him well I was about to like play a game a little and be like let's see how long it takes for him to tell me but then <laughs> so I'm like you know what so Hadam, it. Yeah. like Hadam, like you know this is really sad that he he's told me a lot of things we actually talked about divorce ironically and like you didn't find it you know necessary, necessary to, to open to tell up. me that so at first I was being judgmental and then immediately I'm like you know what that must suck to have something that you don't feel like you can say in the first couple times we get to know each other and 
then after that like be afraid let me know and admit that you were afraid of what my reaction would have been so i do think like to be fair they do think about it and i think our culture does impact them negatively but i do think that they have narrative power so when you tell me your story and you tell me what happened i'm going to believe you because our community is trained to believe you so the biggest turnoff in the entire freaking world to me is a guy who talks badly about the woman that he used to be with first of all sir that is a bad reflection of your taste so i don't know why <laughs> we don't think about that and second of all like you know good and well that she's her story isn't being elevated like her story is not coming up in our feeds your story is coming up because people are gonna take your word as gold and think that her like i'm just thinking of all the divorces that have come out of our community and how the guy's story is the one that is elevated and so you know with that power you can literally say anything you want about her and it's that's why it's just such a turnoff when Sometimes, when they choose to say negative things all a guy has to say is the girl was crazy and people are like oh yeah yeah you're right man sorry bro that you had to even deal with that like i totally understand or they'll start they'll, they'll twist and say yeah man like she literally wanted everything expensive she wanted the house she wanted this and that they can easily just label you as this like crazy woman or this gold digger or anything and society will believe them over you and that's the, that's the sad part and I, I feel like you know every divorced woman kind of has to deal with that she has to literally show you proof of what she went through for you to believe her and I, I don't think any woman has to show proof of the abuse that she's ever gone through when it comes to divorce I think her word should be enough and it should be valid so I feel like because a lot of these men don't have platforms to speak, they're, it's hard for them to be vulnerable and to talk about these issues and why they think and feel like these certain, you know, types of way about women. And so because they feel that way, they also feel like they have to assert their power to be the man. And like oftentimes, like I read this thing the other day, it's like boys are often, boys often are taught way too late that there's a difference between being the man and a man. And so... Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a, that alpha male mentality. And I mean, in that case, I do feel bad for the guys in our community because they always do have to be a zalema. Like, they can never be vulnerable. They can never show that side of them because then they're weak, then they're soft, then, and there's all these adjectives that they don't want to be. So in those cases, I do feel, and I, I don't want to say we are, we are not anti-male. We are not like, you know, men are trash. We're not that way. We don't have Absolutely that thinking. Absolutely not. But in, our, in, in our society, and I also think they're learning from older generations it's always been like this where the guy is the man the guy is the one who takes care of their family and all that stuff but when it we're changing things our generation is changing things and the fact that we still have guys out there doing what they did to dunya and doing what they've done to so many other women it's time we change and it's time we change that narrative i mean it's okay. You know what I mean? It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say, hey, like, you know, I messaged Junior a few times and she didn't respond. I feel like shit because she didn't respond. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. But like you said, our, the guys don't know that definitive line of like, I have to be the man. You know Absolutely. What I mean? It goes back to double standards. I yeah. think that's also a double standard in our society. It's okay for a guy to have these feelings and we don't allow them to have these feelings. We allow them to grow up so fast and think about like having to support an entire family and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's a good point because we're empathizing them at the same time holding them accountable and mm -hmm. not justifying, you know, what they're doing. Yeah, 
I think this was a great conversation about when it comes to reputation of women and just double standards in general. And like we, like I said, we can keep going on and on about this because it is still something that does exist within all of our communities. Like I said, from Dearborn to Chicago to many different cities around the world and even just cross cultures like being Palestinian and Lebanese, we kind of face the similar issues. But I do want to talk about Dearborn Girl and where it started, why you felt it was necessary to have it and what's your purpose of your podcast? So historically speaking, no one ever wanted to be a Dearborn girl. And no one wanted to be a Dearborn girl because nobody wanted to be an Arab and or Muslim girl from this community because they felt like there were all of these negative connotations that went along with that. So we looked around at this community and we were like, wow, the women in this community are so powerful, are so inspiring, have these just amazing stories, but nobody was documenting them and nobody was giving our community permission to be proud. So that was the whole basis around that. Why doesn't anybody want to be like, so claim I want that to clarify girl. that because girls are proud to be Arab and Muslim women. Yes. And what Yasmin means with that, because we've talked about this so much, is that like we didn't want to be a Dearborn girl because subconsciously like white America has made us feel like being Arab and Muslim is this like trashy, disgusting, unrefined thing. We wouldn't say that. So if you asked anyone in Dearborn, they'd be like, yeah, I'm Arab, yeah, I'm Muslim, you know, because we had the numbers and we were able to identify with our next door neighbor who looked like us, talked like us. Absolutely. But subconsciously, this community in Dearborn was looked at as trashy, unrefined, uncivilized. And that's because of the global or like national per- perceptions of what it means to be Arab and Muslim today. So when you used to call a girl a Dearborn girl, even if she was, what that really meant is like, ew, you're acting like a Dearborn girl right now. You're being really trashy. You're being loud. You're being obnoxious. So like perfect example is I'll be like, oh, then I'll be like, oh, did you hear about this girl who just, this guy who just got engaged? And I'm like, oh, is he with a Dearborn girl? And you'll be like, I mean, she's like from Dearborn, but she's not like a Dearborn girl mm. because I'm looking for the bad thing. You get what I mean? Yes, it comes with a negative connotation. Yes. But it's not from within your own narratives. It's not. It's coming from an outside perspective of what a we Dearborn girl means. It. Yeah. And it, you guys, then that means you kind of internalize it too exactly. in a way. A hundred percent. You said something when we were on the phone. You said something very important. I remembered it because you were like, if you don't love where you live or if you don't love where you come from, then you can't love yourself. And that simplifies everything. Like... We did not, we're not the only people in this community who have thought about creating spaces for Arab and Muslim women. Other women are doing that. Nobody wanted to call it Dearborn Girl because it wasn't cool. I see. That like, makes sense. When we started it, people were like, what the hell? They thought it was going to be a gossip site because they could not yeah. fathom Dearborn Girl talking about anything positive or productive because it's been so ingrained in our minds that what it means to be a Dearborn Girl is everything negative. I think that's honestly powerful that you guys decided to take this route to showcase Dearborn girls in a better and positive light. I mean, they have the stories. These women are incredible. There wasn't much effort other than bringing them on here. But it's 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 completely different than what people expected. So how did people react when you guys had released like your first episode or what you guys were intending to do with this? Um, it was just a lot of intrigue was the beginning. People were just super interested into what we were doing. And then with intrigue came excitement. And then with excitement came a mix of positive slash critical reviews, which we love the critical reviews because this is a community space. It's not the Rima Yasmin and Malak show. It's not three people that think that our voices need to be elevated. It's a community effort that the community's voice needs to be elevated. This has nothing to do with us three. So I love criticism. We know, like our community knows what it wants and what it needs. And that's what people sleep on us the most where they think that we don't know how to advocate, specifically Dearborn. 
I completely agree with you when it comes to just like the constructive criticism because I think that's where Zayn and I learned a lot and that's how we progressed. It is a community project. This is not our project. It's Mm -hmm. all of our project. And we love the input. We love because we want to get better. We want to keep going. We want to keep progressing. But going back, I want to talk about the negative connotation that Dearborn Girl has. I mean, we see that too. I mean, Muslim in our society has a negative connotation. Just being a Muslim American and being in public school and having to deal with other kids who only know Muslim through the news and through what they see and what what their parents talk about. But it's kind of like what you guys are doing is reclaiming your identity and kind of like like showcasing like, hey, we're not what you think we are. And I I love that you guys are doing that. And I feel like I feel like our podcasts kind of go hand in hand. Absolutely. You guys are, I don't want to say smaller scale because Michelle Dearborn is huge and there's so many stories to share, but I love that you guys are focusing really on your small community. And I know somebody like Abiy Najad once told us, she was one of our guests, she's like, it's, sometimes it's hard to even just use the word community because there's so many different types of communities. communities yes, yeah. there's a lot of sub-communities. I can talk about my community, but my community is going to look different than a South Asian community or like your Dearborn community. Everybody's community is a little bit different. And I think what our purpose was to just highlight the stories of women that are Arab, Muslim, or South Asian, or any woman of color. And I feel like there's not enough mics to do that. We need to keep doing it. Yeah, it's very, our thing is very niche, and I feel like the more individual, the more individualized the story, the more people can relate and you know self-empowered when they listen to the story. Um, but you were saying something about how like we want to show people that you know we're not like this, we're not like that, which is which is good, which is it's a, it's a good thing to do. But I feel like before we can empathize and you know try to break barriers beyond, we have to like empower within, and so. That's why we're doing Dearborn Girls. So women can listen to these stories, see themselves in in these stories, be confident with who they are in order to have discussions. Absolutely. I love that. She uses the word self-empower a lot because it's something, there's such a distinction between empowering other people, in my opinion. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because I first started pondering a lot on this when I was a teacher. I taught in Detroit. My students were black. I was not empowering my students. Like to me, that's not empowerment because it just sounds like you're giving people training wheels and the second you're gone, they like, what do they have? You know, so creating spaces where people self-empower, they're understanding their identity. I can't tell my students what it's like to be black in America. You know, no one's going to tell me what it's like to be Arab or Muslim in America. Let it be another Arab Muslim woman. I'm still not empowered by you. You're not empowering me. I'm working in tandem with you to self-empower. And I think that's a very individual example. But when we think about from a community level, none of us are empowering the Dearborn community. If anything, Dearborn is empowering us for real. For real, for real. Yeah, I agree with you, Dima, because how can you empower somebody else when you're not even self-empowered, where you're not even to that point where you love who you are? Exactly. And the one comment I'm going to make about being Muslim in America, and I posted a video about this the other day, is I feel like... Muslims in America keep trying to apologize for 9-11. Girl, I'm done with that. (laughs) This is Yasmina's laughing. I over that, though. I I feel like the behaviors, though. I still see it. I still see it. So think Mm -hmm. about, so I said that on purpose because it's so provocative, but really what I mean by it isn't like, hey, like, we're sorry, we didn't do it. Oh, my God, it's not us. I mean, even through our behaviors and the way we move through the world, we feel like we need to prove something to America about who we are as Muslims and a perfect example of, of this is saying something like, I'm Muslim, but oh my I'm Muslim, but I'm not religious. I'm Muslim, but I'm not an extremist. I'm Muslim. Nobody says that but us. And like, I'm so sick of that. I'm just so sick of any form of like, let me explain to you, white man or white woman or black man or black woman who's Christian that like, 
I am a very peaceful Muslim. I'm just so sick of that because nobody else has to do that. You're my soul sister, girl, because (laughs) I am the only person that probably does not post on 9-11 because I can warn these people without having to publicly say, as a Muslim, they always start these posts, as a Muslim, I feel for these people that were attacked. Why as a Muslim? Do I see as a Christian, I feel for these people that lost their lives on 9-11 or as like there's. I, I can't. I can't deal with it. And that's something that I'm very passionate about. And I don't like saying I'm a Muslim, but, but I, no, yeah. I'm, I'm a, a Muslim and my name is Dunya yeah. and I'm Palestinian. I'm going to keep saying and, and, and mm-hmm. not but, but, but I'm sorry. That's yeah. just not me. We were doing an interview the other day and the people were asking us, uh, does your Muslim identity come first or your American identity? And like we're going around the table asking, we're like, yeah, our Muslim identity, this, this, that. And then I stopped. And I thought about it. I'm like, they don't hmm. ask, like, the, you, you guys don't ask Christians that. You guys don't ask, you know, Jewish people that. You guys are always just nagging on, does your Muslim identity? You're always focusing on, like, like the labels and, and all that all that kind of stuff. Like, why don't you go ask these people that? Not that they should, obviously, but, like, if you want to treat Well, you know what we do, Malik? We don't answer that question. Exactly. It starts with us. And like you said earlier, Rima, in the beginning of the episode when it came to double standards and stuff like that, we can internalize this or we can stop it right then and there. And it's yeah. up to us. It's our generation. I feel like it's a lot of work and a lot of responsibility being put on our generation. But I'm okay with that if I know that I'm going to see results and I'm making it easier for the future generations to come. And that's how we hold people accountable by putting a mirror to their face and like, yeah, honestly, I don't ask these people that. I don't ask. We, I, we only want to ask Muslim Arab people or like Arab people and then they assume they're Muslim. And then there's just so many layers to it. Yeah, like we don't ask Christians, like, how do you feel about the rise of Islamophobia? Our identities as Muslims are so othered mm-hmm. because it, it, they're so other to the point where like people don't even see us as humans half the time. No, I'm just so sick and tired of defending my entire community as a whole for actions that I'm not going to even get into it because we were just talking about it in the car i'm such a huge conspiracist but i'm at the point right now i want to highlight the achievements of our community but within our community we do have to self-empower one another and we created this podcast and we're going to talk about topics that are very taboo very hard to talk about but i think we worry so much about what the west thinks of us that we just brush all these issues that we have right under we sweep them right under the rug we just Mm -hmm. keep sweeping them because we have to look perfect in front of these westerners because we cannot give their story or their narrative any fuel And even when they, like, whoever they is, like, okay, when they hate on us, you know, that's bad. But even when they tell us good things about ourselves, when they want to, like, quote-unquote, represent, you know, whatever representation, we seem to just, like, eat it up. Like, oh, yeah, you're telling us I'm good. Like, yeah, yeah, we're good. But honestly, it's like self-love. No matter how much somebody tells you they love you, that you're beautiful, that you're amazing, like, if you don't really believe that, like, for yourself, then what's the point? Yeah, we want to be accepted so badly by Westerners. Like, why? Like, right now, what we're doing, this is powerful. You have five girls sitting on a table there doing almost similar things to one another but we're not dimming each other's light we're giving each other the space to talk we're passing the mic and we're sharing our stories and I think this is beautiful and what's beautiful is that we felt the support from your podcast from your group from the start I mean I remember like from the very very beginning and it was it's not always that case and it's very upsetting when it's not that way it's not some type of like competition Mm -hmm. you know we can come together we can join forces I mean we have resources you guys have resources those talents are different than the talents that we have but the fact that we can come together and create something beautiful together is honestly it's just it's beautiful we don't have to compete it's so funny because as you guys are talking we're over here I know listeners can't see what's happening but like Malak I wish they could are like (laughs) freaking out because we so we just sit and when we're planning our seasons we sit and try to think of like what are the big areas of potential i'll call them in dearborn that we want we want this podcast to facilitate and one of the big areas of potential 
is that women in the community should be more collaborative. And so I've I've psychoanalyzed this whole thing because I sit and think about things. I overanalyze everything. It is literally the exact topic we're talking about with double standards and women like competing with each other. We are taught that like anything from men to opportunities in, in society or professional careers are a limited resource. And when you think about our parents' generation, a lot of those things were actually limited resources. And so our parents had to be hyper competitive with like the next business owner or whatever, which is funny because they weren't even like that. They weren't mm-hmm. even how we are because it's the scarcity mentality of like, there's not enough. Let's like be crabs in a barrel and like pull each other down trying to get this invisible thing but when you think about like a community like dearborn you guys we can each like on this table name at least 10 makeup artists that we know who are extremely successful in dearborn but a lot of them can't stand each other and why can't they stand each other is because they feel as though if someone else look we're, we're all competing for a slice of the pie and they don't understand and our the trauma from a generation makes us not understand that there actually is abundance and so women like us if we went with that shouldn't be at this table together and then this wouldn't happen but you you're talking yeah about the slice of pie that we're all in but we're what slice of pie are you envisioning exactly. do you even know how big it is small it is like this is all in your head i think it, it, at the end of the day all of this competition is all within your head. If you're confident in what you're doing, and if you, and I, it always goes back to pure intentions. If you have true, pure intentions, and you're doing what you said you're going to do, which is like raise the voices of the women in your community, but you're not going to collaborate. And sometimes collaborating, yeah, sometimes collaborating isn't always just actually like supporting each other online. Even just this meeting, meeting each other, like getting to know one another, that's a collaboration in itself. You know what I mean? It doesn't always have to be online. Oversaturation is not real mm-hmm. because people say that the spaces that we all want to work in are oversaturated and it doesn't happen that way because there's always new ideas. And like the things that you guys are doing are different than what we're doing, but like we can also build on each other and like share ideas and whatnot. So the whole concept is just not real. I wanted to go back. That also kind of goes back to the token Muslim. You know, I think the, the, media in the western world will put like one hijabi in a campaign or one muslim in this advertisement or like one you know whatever it may be but we don't have to adhere to what the western wants you know they only want one you know hijabi supermodel on their runway but like there's there's room for all of us if we create the opportunities for there to be room the fact that we all five of us have a podcast will open doors for the younger generation to have their own platforms and to feel like they can do it, if that makes sense. If your intentions are in the impact, then you wouldn't care about who's doing what and what name. And even if your own name is out there, you would care about uplifting the same people whose actions are aligned with that impact. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's that author, her name is Yasmin. I think her book is called um, You Must Be Layla or something along those lines. And she even says something. She's like, I don't want to be just the first black woman that's doing this and that. She's like, I want to be the 50th. And I was like, that's just powerful. That just simple sentence right there. We don't want to be one of the first few that's ha- that has a podcast. No, where's all the other Muslim women? Because here you guys are sharing stories of Dearborn girls, which is different than the stories that we share that might be like from other places of the world. What about girls from Australia? I don't know. Like, let's start a Muslim podcast in Australia. You know what I mean? There's so many different parts of the world that there are so many stories to share. So we need more podcasts out there. And not just podcasts, but obviously we're speaking about platforms, this because that's yeah. what we do. But other platforms. Something that I think about a lot with this, and this is a reality check for everybody listening, is back to what Malak was saying about pure intentions. 
So when I was thinking about like when we were having the conversations around starting Dearborn Girl and we are starting like three more spaces and we talk so openly about them. The first thing people always say is like, you guys, like, be careful. Don't talk about it because people will take the idea. And I always stop and I'm like, you know, like if they take the idea and they do it, as long as they do it well and it's having an impact, wallah, wallah, wahiyat Allah, I'm going to bring God into this. Mm -hmm. I will be happy because for me, it's not about me. It's about the space and the impact. And I think if someone really believes in God and believes in purpose and someone steals their idea and does it faster, better, whatever, that was never yours, bro. Like, and, and that's fine. Like, you should be clapping regardless if it's you that's winning the trophy or your sister or your brother. Like, you should be equally happy. And I don't think I see that a lot. And I would love to see that. I, I totally get your point. You want 100%. But do you think there's like a fine line of like also giving credit to where credit is due? Because I feel like sometimes when we take ideas from Westerners, we give them credit. We're like, oh, this was such a great idea. Let me build upon this. But when it comes to other Muslim women, no, you want you crave to be the first. And I don't know if we give one another credit when it comes to that. Sometimes ideas are stolen. And I think sometimes you're so close to releasing something and you're just one step away from it. But this person already took it from you. And I feel like just give credit where credit is due. What do you think about that? I think the caveat is if someone is stealing your idea and not doing it with the right first of all if they're mm -hmm. just stealing your idea the likelihood of them having their heart in in the right position is very slim Absolutely. but if they had an idea that just so happens to be inspired by yours or maybe they didn't know about yours and they did it then I really don't care because it's just like it wasn't about me or the credit. Mm -hmm. I know credit is nice, you know, especially if if you are Arab woman and, and the person being accredited is white or, or whatever. But I just think like it's just very complicated because my caveat is always like if that person is doing it min album, then that's going to show in their work and yeah, that's going to show back to in your intentions. Impact. That's the most important thing because when you're doing from your intentions, you're doing it wholeheartedly. And if this is something that you're passionate about, but if you see somebody else that's also passionate about it, why not take it? But if it's somebody that just wants to do it just to be known, then just for that's... the numbers, just for the numbers. Yeah, that's yeah, when it comes You can like, usually tell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's why I'm going to say that if if you feel that type of way, like somebody stole my idea or you feel some type of jealous way when you see somebody getting an award, take a step back and question your own intentions. Mm -hmm. Every single day I wake up and like I have to remind myself to consciously just question like, why am I doing this? Why am I like doing Dearborn Girl? Why am I telling the stories that I'm telling? It's very important. Like, like even with me, like I, remind yourself it's, you it's a very humbling yeah. like thing to do to just sit down and reflect on your own intentions i think yeah we always have to renew and recalibrate our intentions every so often whenever you feel like you're kind of swinging and you're kind of getting more angry instead of more feeling fulfilled then i think that's when you have to sit down with yourself and think about your intentions and what the purpose is i love it this was such a great episode such a great conversation it was so natural and i truly hope in the future we can continue collaborating and not even just collaborating but just supporting one another. And Absolutely. I'm proud of the work that you guys are doing, mashallah. It's so great. And I want to learn more about Dearborn. And I feel like in a way, yes, I never lived here, but there's some attachment to it. I've had family who lives here, but it, there's just that attachment, I think, because there is that large Muslim population. So I, I feel like you guys are the face of Arab Muslims living, Arab American Muslims, kind of. Not to put that responsibility on you guys, but you guys are doing it well, mashallah. Yes. So, but thank you, girls. Thank, thank you. you. Welcome back to our unfiltered afterthought. I am so incredibly happy and I feel so blessed that I've met these three women. Not only do they share similar values in us, but through this conversation, I think they've opened my eyes to different perspectives. We talked about, you know, double standards and I seen, you know, Rima's talking about how not only are 
women subjected to double standards, but so are men. And that's something that I never really, it didn't really click in my head that not only is this something that we're going through, but also something they face on their own personal level. No, that's a, such a great point because when it comes to double standards, I never wanted to attack men because I felt like it wasn't always coming from them. I feel like there is a way where they could kind of like stand up for us. They could mm-hmm. be allies to us, but she put in such a great point. Sometimes it's almost like the women in our community that actually yeah. uphold these double standards. So it's like you have women from our own community attacking other women, not attacking, but making them feel less than when it comes to these double standards. So it's up to us to kind of like, you know, put a halt. Put an to end these, to that. Yeah, yeah, put an end to it. We can't look to others. We can't look to the men of our community to do it when it's us that are like giving it life. It kind of is like we have to put our foot down. We have to be like, hey, we're, we're done with this. We, you know, we want to get our education. We want to work. We don't always want to be the stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home wife we can have our own values and have our own um, goals and and things that we want to accomplish but it does have to come from us no one's going to be our superman and be like hey leave them alone let them do their thing it has to be our voices and our force that's putting an end to it i think we chose really great topics for this episode because it was the perfect topics for these three amazing women when it comes to yasmin and um rima and malak because i i knew that it was it was going to be a very genuine conversation with them and i felt like Yes, they're from Dearborn. Yes, we're from Chicago. But I felt like our attitudes are kind of the same. And we kind yes. of go through the same things. But it was at the same time, we were almost kind of challenging one another's perspectives when we talked about like the reputation of a woman. And it was very hard for me to share that story because I feel like I hate giving certain things like that any life or any more attention. But I felt like I wonder in the back of my mind, what other women are dealing with this when they have so a guy many. making up these rumors about them? So many women are going through this. And it's something that we do need to talk about, not to give the guy credit or whatever, but to say that we know this is happening and we're putting an end to it. We're not going to let it go on because the fact that this does happen, the fact that women have to be so overprotective and even no matter how, how careful they are, men can still ruin their reputation just by saying one word, one sentence, showing one picture. No matter how careful or how good, quote unquote, we are, they still have that power over us. And I think it's time we say like, hey, like no more, like we're done with this. Speaking of power, I liked what Rima said. I never thought about it. We always talk about self-love, self-care, but self-empowerment, I felt like when that slipped her lips, I was like, wow, I never thought about that. We always say women empowering women and blah, blah, blah. But like you can't empower somebody else if you're not empowered yourself. You you can't love somebody else if you're, you exactly. know, you don't love yourself. Like it, it just goes hand in hand. And I think that's something that we need to do within our own community. I feel like sometimes we got to stop internalizing things and you know, look at our accomplishments and see how far we've gone and give ourselves a pat on the back. And that's how you, when you empower yourself, no, without a doubt, you can easily empower all the other women in your community. We can't just sit here on a mic, Zena, and try to uplift these women if we haven't uplifted ourselves either. Exactly. And this is the first time we've taken Unsweet and Unfiltered out on the road, but I'm so happy that we did it here in Dearborn with the Dearborn Girl podcast. Um, I feel like it just, it's, it starts a new a new chapter to our podcast and this journey and um i'm starving right now i know there's a falafel sandwich with my name on it somewhere in dearborn so uh let's just wrap this up so i can go eat absolutely because i was thinking about this i hope you guys don't hear our stomach growl <laughs> because it's like we chose like the wrong time of the day to do this but at the same time like i'm just happy that we're in dearborn this is such a great community these girls are showing us so much love we can't yes. wait to enjoy the rest of our night with them and we hope to obviously come here more often than you know yeah. and they're coming to Chicago too, so I can't wait to see them. A part two, and then yeah, enjoy yeah. the enjoy their company. 
company when they come to Chicago. So as always, I really hope you guys can take the time to give us a review, give us your feedback, share us with your family and friends. It always it doesn't always have to be online. It can be taken offline. It's a word of mouth. So if you guys can do that, we would really appreciate it. And we really hope you guys enjoy this episode. And check out Dearborn Girl. They're doing incredible things um, over on their Instagram and their podcast. So definitely check them out. It's definitely worth it. I, yeah, I want to leave off on that note. That's such a great note, Zaina. If you guys support us, please support Dearborn Girl. That's all. That's what it's all about, supporting one another. And I really hope that us bringing them on, you guys can see who they are and what they're all about. And I'm telling you, their episodes are amazing. So Definitely. check them out every Monday and check us out every Wednesday. Thank you. See you guys. Bye.